welcome to Resilience in Life and Leadership with your host, Stephanie Olson, speaker, author, addiction, sexual violence, and resiliency expert. Danielle Bernack founded 4F Media Faith Family Friends Freedom in 2014 to promote inner healing and personal freedom through the power of the love that heals using all forms of media, beginning with her first book. And the following quote from the book has gone viral. Trauma is personal. It does not disappear if it is not validated. When it is ignored or invalidated, the silent screams continue, internally heard only by the one held captive. When someone enters the pain and hears the screams, healing can begin. And that is from Emerging with Wings, a true story of lies, pain, and the love that heals. Today, Danielle is an international award-winning author, speaker, podcast host, and trauma-informed self-love coach who helps men, women, and organizations emerge with clear vision of their value, take ownership of their choices, and chart a path for their purpose. Welcome, Danielle Burnick. Hello, and welcome to Resilience in Life and Leadership. Danielle, welcome to the show. I'm looking forward to talking to you. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. Absolutely. So now you're doing a whole bunch of amazing things that I (laughs) want to hear about. Um, But why don't you tell me, why don't you start with how you got to where you are today, your journey, your journey here. My journey here. It's a very long journey. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But the short story is... I suffered a lot of childhood trauma, and later in life, when I had dealt with some of it, I sat down to write a book and put myself in counseling for that process, Mm -hmm. learned the other half of the book while I was writing the book, The Healing Journey, found that my journey resonated with people, and that led to me wanting to help them very short condensed version. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I and I think that is really what happens so often. So I love how you say learned the other half of your book, you know, as you were going along. So tell me a little bit about that. That as you're writing, I mean because our stories, we don't know the end of our stories. We don't know where God's going to take us and things like that. So tell me a little bit about that. You're writing the book and then what are you, what are you seeing? Well, it was because I was in counseling. Yeah. I put myself in counseling because I was going to be revisiting the painful things from my childhood that I was aware of. Yeah. But it was in counseling that other things were discovered and uncovered and called out as something that needed to be healed from instead of something that I had dismissed. I dismissed the majority of things that happened to me as a child. They were simply normal. Mm. They were difficult. They weren't a plane crash. They weren't a tsunami. They weren't the Sandy Hook massacre. So I made them smaller in my eyes And I needed to just suck it up and just get over it. I had authoritarian parents, which really fed into that. I learned I had something called childhood emotional neglect, although my counselor was not familiar with the term. 
Oh, I learned that term and here we go again. I tease that Dr. Janice Webb, I am, I'd like work for her marketing team or something <laughs> or that she should pay me for advertising. There you go. She has come up with, I don't know if she is the originator, I think so, of childhood emotional neglect, that term, but her book running on empty is I think revolutionary. How she unveils it in a way that you can really understand and look at your life and see if it does or does not affect you. I read that book and found myself in three of the categories. She has 12 wow. different parenting styles that are neglectful. And then the healthy one, she uses a fictitious little boy and he goes through the situation. He comes home and he has this wonderfully nurturing mother and how, you know, it ought to go. Right. And you could read that. And if you were emotionally neglected, you could just identify that. Well, that was not me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that right. is not how that it would have gone down my, in my normal. House. <laughs> right. Exactly. But, but then she goes through 12 other types. And I found myself in three of them. One of them is the well-meaning, but emotionally neglected themselves parents. Yeah. So they're doing what they know. That was one of the ones of mine. And that is one of the things I want to help people with in my journey a lot because it's invisible. It's with abuse and various kinds of trauma, it leaves a mark that there's an incident or there's something that happened that right. you, you know. So you, right. you know this happened, you know you felt this, but with neglect, it's what's missing. Yeah. It's so, a vacuum. So you don't, right. you, you can't look for what it's not tangible. What, <laughs> mm -hmm. So it's, it's identified by the right. side effects that you present in your life. And I grew up with that and that fed into all the other traumas. They really snowballed quite a bit. And I didn't learn that emotional neglectful part of my life till I was writing the book and in counseling, yeah. because that was one of the things that I said, well, I grew up, I felt like my parents didn't love me and I didn't feel like I belonged in my family and I'm just going on and on nonchalantly. She went, wait, 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 wait a yeah. minute. I'm like, what? <laughs> she said, something went terribly wrong. I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, children go to their parents. They, they normally feel loved by them. And she goes on and explains what ought to have been my experience. And I was like, really? So can you give an example of what emotional neglect might look like? Well, first off, one of the things that Dr. Janice Webb is very careful to do, and I will be very careful mm -hmm. also, is no parent is perfect. And if you right. screw up one time, you didn't screw up your kid. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, mean, I always say that I have, as I was raising my children, a, a college fund and a therapy fund at the same time, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> you're going to mess up. <laughs> and not everything will leave that mark because it takes more than that. It's a pattern, a pattern. It could be, or it's either a pattern or it's something that is really deeply impactful. Yeah. And it also relates to the child because every child has a different amount of nurture that they need. Sure. I'm, everyone's I'm different, right? more of a highly sensitive soul. There's HSPs out there, highly sensitive people out there. I don't 
I don't like own the label, but I am empathic and I am more sensitive. So I needed more nurture than probably someone who is more stoic naturally in their personality. Right. Well, my parents were of the generation of children are to be seen and not heard. Shut up and stop crying or I will give you something to cry about. (laughs) Yep. Yep. My mother had uh, communicated to me later. She didn't cry because my dad felt that if she cried, he, she was trying to manipulate him. Sure. So emotions were not really allowed much in my family, except for my brother reminded me about how my dad used to yell at the dinner table, but I don't remember that. I really associated. Yeah. I just associate. I don't remember that, but I guess he used to yell. And I guess I had two brothers. I guess my dad and my oldest brother used to yell and scream at each other at the dinner table. Mm. I don't remember that, but that is not emotionally healthy. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And it's amazing how much our, um, brain protects us from those things, you know, that we can mm-hmm. block those things out. Especially and, children. That is, right. that is a normal self-protective thing. Yes, And that's one of the evidences of an adult. If they look back on their childhood and they're like, I don't remember much of anything. Yeah. Like it's, you know, there's a lot you won't remember when you were young because you were young. I, I don't remember being one very much, or I mean, two, I mean, because I don't know how the brain works in those memories. Sure, sure. No one remembers a whole lot of that because your brain was forming. Right. But if you look back and you see Swiss cheese <laughs> or <laughs> you don't remember anything, chances are you were not emotionally present right. for your childhood. And there's a reason for that. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, so really when you're talking about um, emotional neglect and parenting, it, it can look very different for each child. So there might be some children in a home that might feel um, emotionally neglected, whereas others feel "Eh, it was, it was okay. Yeah. Talk to the siblings. And it's amazing when they talk to one another, how it is a different perspective with all of them. Right. Right. And what might have hurt one didn't hurt the other and what, you know, and then vice versa. So, so tell me about your book and that journey, because I'm sure that that was um, an extremely healing part of, of your, your story and, and what you were, were doing. It is, it was, like I said, I knew half of it. Chapter nine is called the bullseye. And I think this is where God protected me. <laughs> yeah. Because I knew the incident that is unveiled in chapter nine. Right. But I didn't know what happened in my soul. I knew that it hurt me. I knew it was bad. I didn't remember a whole lot about it, but diving into it. Chapter nine, the bullseye deals with my public rejection in front of the church as a child. I was left on the front seat. The front seat, front row, yeah, yeah. <laughs> front row of the church all by myself after they'd called my entire class up in front one at a time, reading their names. Cause I went through a whole process of becoming a member. My parents were no longer going to church and that's a whole other part of the story. More of the neglect. Why was I going and not them, especially that day I'm supposed to be getting welcomed into membership. Why weren't they there? And how day? old were you? 10 or 11. 
So right there, that's something they weren't there for that. Right, right. But then trauma took place because I was sitting there and they called everyone up one at a time to announce their name and stand with the pastor and be welcomed into membership. And I'm already suffering the emotional neglect. So becoming a member of the church was huge right, for me right. because it's I family. didn't feel like There's, I belonged at home. Exactly. I was going to belong at church. Right. I'm going to belong somewhere. Nope, not here. Wow. Left on the front row, just sitting there for the entire church to look at. Left out. And no one noticed that. I, <laughs> I mean, have no idea. I don't really remember. really hard to understand. Home. I don't remember. Yeah. Wow. Wow. But the Lord showed me as I was writing this book, it's like the Holy Spirit, how I envision it. It's like I, I can almost see it. Like he took me like a little kid by the hand and just slowly, gently walked me to a place where he was going to show me something hard. Like, I got you, though. It was yeah. like, I got you, okay? Yeah. <laughs> kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. And he walked me there and he showed me what took place in my soul was the inversion of a lie. There's a, a Bible verse that says, Everyone who comes to Jesus, he will in no wise cast out. But I left there believing that Jesus himself had cast me out. Right. And I believe from that day forward that everyone would always reject me. Wow. Wow. And there were other traumas in my life growing up also. There was many deaths that took place in my growing up. and. I had a trauma that was associated with my name. I uh, legally changed my first name in 1988 because I have a trauma associated with that. Mm. And they all built on one another. That's why the name of that chapter is called Bullseye because a bullseye is a highest point of effectiveness right in the center. You know, you can't get any more precise than the bullseye. Right, right, right. <laughs> So right. it's like, he like opened up, this is why you have been struggling with this, 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 this. And I went, oh, I mean, literally my mouth dropped open and I gasped and he showed wow. me. So I want to go back to something that I think is incredibly important because you said that when the church rejected you, it looked to you, your perception was that Jesus himself rejected mm-hmm. you. And I think that is so common because the church, I mean, let's face it, we're human mm-hmm. and we mess up. Right. Mm-hmm. And there is, and, and I personally believe that there is so much hurt and trauma in the church because so many in the church are not willing to say, Hey, I am not perfect. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so it adds to that. Um, Can you talk a little bit about that and trauma in the church and the difference between um, being rejected by the people in the church and being rejected by Christ? That was loaded. That was a loaded (laughs) question right there. Well, I was rejected by the people, but I was too young to understand that. Yeah. As a child, a child will process situations differently than an adult. Yeah. They are more susceptible to trauma. And I want to stop here for your listeners to define trauma. Trauma is not the incident. Right. Trauma is the wound that takes place in the brain. And in my case, in this particular place, the soul, because the Lord showed me that happened in my soul. Yeah. 
I had that expectation because a spiritual wound took place, not just a physical brain wound because yeah. trauma wounds the brain physically, chemically, biologically. Right, right. That's why trauma is not intentional. No one can intentionally traumatize themselves. Yeah. But there's such a stigma attached to that word trauma. People don't want to own that that happened to them because it makes mm-hmm. them feel inferior Weak. and shame. Yeah. But it, that's a lie. Yeah. That's, that's right. a lie. That's right. It's such a lie. And trauma in the church, every bad thing that happens to people in the church is not necessarily trauma because of that reason, because it may have upset them or made them mad, or they would be like hurt their feelings. How deep the wound goes will be evidenced by how it plays out. Does it affect you later? Do you find it over here? Do you find it over there? And it will create a trauma response that will be separate from the incident. Right. So how did that event, when, when you were sitting in that church, um, rejected, how did that event affect you and your relationship with the church, with the people in the church going forward? And then, um, I would love to know a little bit more about your relationship with your family and how that emotional neglect, you know, affected you and your family going forward. Well, how it affected me with the church that day Mm -hmm. is I didn't remember going home, but I still craved to belong. Right. And apparently they gave me the opportunity to earn my way because I found out later, I didn't know any of this. My mother explained this to me later. Apparently my dad had called the church to find out what happened and they had refused me membership because my parents weren't going to church. And so if they made me a member, I wouldn't go to church either. Oh my gosh. So (laughs) there's a whole story right there. Okay. (laughs) It's really kind of comical, but Hmm. They said that I could, I could do these extra things. I could earn my way. Oh, and how ew. that affected me in my soul was what my child brain said to myself was, I have to earn God's love, Yeah, absolutely. which is the complete opposite of the gospel. Right, right. So I had to take special classes. And then they made me a member on a Sunday night when no one was at church. Wow. And so far as I know... That was the last time I went to that church. Oh, that's so sad. (laughs) So it's like they became a self-fulfilling prophecy after that. Right. Years later, after the Lord apprehended me and I became, I came back to him. I say apprehended because that's the word I use in my book because he chased me. I didn't chase him. (laughs) He's good at that. (laughs) Because he loves me. Because he loves you who are listening. He, um. Lost my train of thought. Train will come around again on the track. It always does. (laughs) How I, when my husband and I got engaged, we went back to that church. Mm. I did it on purpose one time because I wanted to forgive and I didn't want any bitterness in my heart. So that was my, my, I never did a 12 steps recovery, but I think you have to do stuff like that in there. Mm So I went to that yep. church on a, on a Sunday <laughs> to, as an act of forgiveness, yeah. I forgive this church, these people, whatever, I forgive yeah. them. 
for that wound in my life. So I did go back one time and that was the one time that I went back. So how did that, because, because forgiveness is a choice. Forgiveness is Mm -hmm. not necessarily a feeling, you know, we don't feel all this. Oh, I'm, I'm, I feel so forgiving. I mean, that (laughs) very often does not happen. And so it is a choice. Uh, Tell me about that day and how, how that felt in that, um, you know, going back into that church, sitting in those pews and literally making a decision to forgive them. Well, they actually had built a different sanctuary, so I didn't have to go in the same room. I don't know if I would have remembered. I went, it felt very weird and odd because I hadn't, it had been years and years and years. Yeah. I was 20, I was 21 when I did that. So it had been a good 10 years since I had been there and my now husband went with me. So I went to this place that was weird and boring. I hadn't been there in a long time. So I went really just with my heart kind of like inside myself going, okay, God, you're coming with me, right? Yeah, yeah, right. (laughs) Kind of thing. Went in there, sat there. I, the people said hi or whatever. I don't even remember a whole lot of who talked to me. Mm -hmm. If anyone remembered me, if I remembered them and it was uneventful actually, but it was, it was a line in the sand for me. It was a, a line that I'd drawn. And so I knew that I had done what I could do to, okay, I did what I know to do. You got to do the inner work, God. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Which which is usually not overnight. <laughs> no, it took many, many, yeah. many years. Well, I didn't really understand the spiritual implication of what had happened till I was writing that book. I was yeah. 55 years old then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, was, I started when I was 54, published when I was 55, but so That's it, pretty that quick. was many That's years good. later. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, absolutely. So how is the relationship with your family today? (laughs) I it's, I'm laughing for a reason because (laughs) my family was very small from the beginning. Mm -hmm. I had one grandmother and one step grandfather. Neither are alive. I had a mom and a dad and my grandmother died when I was 13. Two months later, my dad died. Oh, wow. And I was there for that, watching that awful thing take place. Wow. A few years later, um, I lost a friend, a childhood friend. Mm. And then four years after my father died, I lost my eldest brother. Oh, I'm so sorry. That's horrible. (laughs) So my brother, I mean, my dad had... He used to have two siblings and he lost his mom, his dad, and his sister all before he was married. My goodness. He had one brother. So I had an uncle who was married and they had one child who I had one cousin, which we got together when I was kind of young, Mm -hmm. but then suddenly they left the picture and I have no idea why. Okay. Interesting. And so what I have left of my family is I have a brother. So, I mean, of going down, I have two children. I have six living yes, grandchildren, yeah. but yes, you know, awesome. <laughs> what I have of my family is I have a brother and, yeah. um, we have become very close. Oh, that's We've great. gone through a long journey together because he has his own story, which is not yep. mine to tell, Yep. but 
he helped me process my childhood a little bit. Also, I talked with him while I was writing the book. And that goes back to what we were saying earlier about one would be traumatized, one would not yes, be. Yes, right. Because he's like, don't you remember this? I'm like, no. I'm yeah. like, don't you remember this? No. Did you yeah. know this happened? We shared stories and it was quite enlightening. So It's amazing. Well, I, my I mother love- and I, we, we had a very rocky relationship, <sighs> but yeah. I want to honor her by sharing. After I'd gotten married, there was this one day she invited me to lunch and she asked me if I wanted to be friends. Hmm. And I craved, you know, relationship. I wow. had all this lack. So I said, yes. And we started a long journey of building a bridge between the two of us, oh, that's which nice. led to, we were very close when she passed. And I had my, my deepest prayer answered was to be with her. I wanted to be with her. And I got to be sitting there holding her hand, singing to her wow. when she passed. So oh. we came through it. So my message here for who's listening is no matter what kind of trauma you have or what kind of emotional neglect you may have suffered, you can heal. Yeah. Your relationships can be healed if both parties will be participants, cooperating participants. But if one party is not cooperative, I'm sad, then that can't be healed because you can't have a relationship all by yourself. That's right. And, and really some, some can be, I think that's where that forgiveness piece comes in because there are some relationships that you shouldn't continue. There are some relationships that probably really, you know, when you're talking about severe abuse or things like that, that you need to separate from that person, but that forgiveness can still happen, which Mm -hmm. really brings healing to you as an individual. So, oh, I love that. Um, I love that story about your mom and your brother. That is really beautiful because, and it really just shows how God can just take something that is so um, not of him and just turn it into something that's beautiful and a blessing. Yes. So I love ta- the the, de- yeah. the uh, definition of forgiveness from the book, The Shack. Mm-hmm. I, when, I, when I read this, I just it etched on my heart. Forgiveness is letting go of another person's throat. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is true. That is true. Yeah. Um, I love that picture because that's, yeah. that's such an emotionally charged way of looking at it. Right. Exactly. And forgiveness is an emotional thing. It is a choice, but it yeah. involves your emotion. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's it not can be horribly painful. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so you then founded 4F Media. So tell us about that. 4F Media stands, the four Fs are faith, friends, family, and freedom. And I founded that to publish my first book because I was going to publish my book myself Mm -hmm. instead of traditionally published um, because they were going to buy it and then it would no longer be mine. Right, right. Now they don't do things so much like that. But back then it was, I'm like, no, you're not going to own my story. It's my story because then I could never publish it or change it or update it or do anything with it. Right. So I wanted to own my story. So I created a company so that I could publish that. And I was looking into media. I mean, it was a book. And so I was thinking, well, maybe I'll do something else later. I don't know. But I had no plans past that. Mm. But now it's reached into, I, I 
was blogging. I have a blog. I have other books. I have a podcast. I have a YouTube channel. So I am looking to share my message on all different kinds of media. And those are the four things that are real important to me, are faith, family, friends, and freedom. Yeah. Isn't that great how God set something up and you're like, I don't know, this is... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he just, he just puts it together. So mm-hmm. I love that. That is fantastic. So Danielle, how can people find you? What's the best way for people to find you? Oh, my website, everything can be accessed from my website. I'm on all the major socials and I have my own YouTube channel and my podcast, Victoria souls podcast, but you can all find them at Danielle It's B E R. N-O-C-K. Many people would jump to the thing of a B-U-R, but it's B-E-R. But they're wrong. N-O-C-K. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and we'll make, sure, that, so. we'll make sure to have that in all of the notes of the podcast. Um, I just, I love your story. I love um, your resilience is what it is. So this is my final question for you. What does resilience mean to you? Ah. I've written about this. Resilience is, is a big thing. And the most visual way someone can visualize me explaining it, it was take a spring in your hand and you push it together and pull it apart. That is resilience. It's the ability to be able to bounce back from something terrible or hard or difficult and be able to live life and thrive again yeah. after that. And there's different ways you can build resilience. I mean, it's something you can actually work on so that you can make it stronger inside of yourself. So it's not just something you have or you don't have, though some people do tend to be born with more of it than others, depending on their personality. Yeah. But I've written about it before because it is an important aspect. And the more resilience you have, the less likely you'll fall into trauma. But right. it doesn't make you impervious to it because. Absolutely. Trauma happens to even the strongest people. I mean, people who go to war and that they are trained. Yeah. And I have a friend who I interviewed for my book, Because You Matter. He He's a trauma coach. He was in the military. He was trained in resilience. I mean, his story was amazing what he put himself through to build right. resilience before he was done growing up. Yet still, he ended up with PTSD. So it's not a guarantee, but it is something that you can add right. to your life. Okay. So not my final question. So now uh, here, so talk about what that means to build resilience. How do you do that? Well, one of the articles that I've written, I talked about five ways you can build resilience. One is building up your sense of humor. One way you can See if maybe you don't have such great resilience as can you laugh at yourself? I couldn't laugh at myself for the longest time. I was so filled with shame that when any any time I did anything wrong or made a mistake, self-condemnation was just all over that. Right. There's no resilience in that. Right. So right. helping your sense of humor to grow is one thing that you can do to build resilience. Building healthy relationships is another way. Studies have shown that healthy relationships mitigate trauma. And children, if they are going through what can be called a trauma exposure, it's a situation that could cause trauma. But if they are surrounded with love 
and nurture, they can actually, they have the possibility of going through that Mm -hmm. and emerging without any trauma. That's amazing. So healthy relationships and unhealthy relationships oftentimes are a side effect of trauma, codependence and, um, you know, the refusal of asking for help because that's called counterdependence. All kinds of different trauma responses, but there are there are many things you can do to build build resilience. Those great. are two examples, and we can learn more about that from um, from your writings and your work. And mm-hmm. so, one more time, what is your website? DanielleBurnock.com. I also do coaching to help people. If yeah. you want someone to walk alongside you with that, you don't want to just read stuff because sometimes, you know, you want someone with you. Sometimes you yeah. want the privacy of it. Sometimes you want someone with you, but healing really happens within the confines of relationships. So you should find someone to help you, whether it's a friend, a pastor, a counselor, I'm not a counselor or a coach, but you know, you should get someone to walk that road with you because we weren't created to walk through life alone. No, we were not definitely. Well, I really appreciate you sharing your story and just the amazing work that you're doing today. And you definitely are the picture of resilience. So (laughs) thank you so much for, um, for just sharing who you are and helping others through the things that you've learned. It's just incredible. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Thank you. And thank you for listening to resilience in life and leadership. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. Please share with anyone you think will benefit from this podcast.